Radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm In today's episode, uh, we're going to hear from Lynn Casale, uh, who is actually uh, down under Australia, and uh, we found a time slot to actually record this podcast because it's not easy to coordinate this. Uh, she can be reached at lynncaselli.com.au, that is for um, Australia, and uh, Lynn is a speaker, presenter, and an author of four books. Um, one of them is Leader as a Facilitator, Making Sense, Create Change, Visual Mojo, and an upcoming book which has not been released, which is Agile-ish, I definitely want to hear more about that, is in the making right now. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Lynn. Thank you, Joe. Great to speak with you and be uh, in the realm of many of the wonderful agilists you've been speaking with over the years. All right, and you're one. You're the next one, right, on the list. And we want to <laughs> we want to talk about some really uh, interesting topics. Uh, this topic is really um, appealing to me mm-hmm. because I am visually challenged. You know, I, oh. I I can I can do maybe squares and triangles, and whenever I'm in a classroom or do facilitation and I do drawings. I usually get a couple of smiles in my audience about what is this you're doing up there. Uh, and that's what we want to talk about, some visuals, right? But what's really weird is this is an audio uh, podcast about visuals. It feels a little weird, mm-hmm. but maybe we can bring and sort this all out. Okay. Yes. So yes. tell me a little bit about your background. Your website is very, very uh, engaging. Uh, <laughs> lots of artwork there. It's different, right? It's a very different website. Yes. Are, are you a visual designer by trade? No, no. My background was with words. So my background was a communication specialist. So mm. I worked in fields like health, art, sport, media, government training. And I was always playing the role of an interpreter, listening to audiences, finding out what was going on for them and then interpreting it for the client and mm-hmm. then vice versa, listening mm-hmm. to the client, interpreting that for the audience or user. And so I was always using words. And about 10 years ago, I found this field called graphic recording and I did some graphic recording. That is, you might have seen that silent person who stands at the wall in front of a chart of paper mm-hmm. and captures visuals. Well, I don't do that anymore, but I've been helping people make use of visuals as just one of the tools to get great engagement and collaboration and I think better outcomes in projects. Mm -hmm. Oh, I definitely second that, right? So we had some visual uh, recording in a conference uh, one time, Mm. actually multiple times. And um, I can't tell you how engaging, uh, just by having somebody, even though the person doesn't speak, uh, yes, it is. And uh, we had, after the conference or at the end of the conference, we had people really trying, the speakers really trying to get their visual artwork home with them mm. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, because it really captures, like, in an, in an essence, everything on a, on a poster. So, yes, definitely. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard copy. People, it's almost like a marketplace of, um, of ideas, almost. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's um, a melting pot or it's a distilling of lots of complex information. And I think in sense of agile, it's one of it's a brilliant artifact mm-hmm. to take and not just at conferences, but any time people are getting together to meet or talk, whether it's one or, or more, you know, two or more people, mm-hmm. that to have a visual tool that you're working from um, 
is, you know, it's been shown to reduce meetings by 25% in time. Oh, wow. So instead of an hour-long meeting, um, Sunny Brown from her book The Doodle Revolution, she's reported on some of that data that it, it shows your meeting will now just go for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also shows using visuals, we have greater recall. So about a 30% greater recall in information, mm-hmm. given we're all kind of drowning in, in info, any way that can help us. Mm-hmm. Um, capture and retain information is pretty helpful. Well, so first of all, you have living evidence that somebody can make the tr- tr- transition from words to visuals, you know. Um, yeah. So you have done that. So even though you're not doing graphic recording uh, anymore, um, mm. and uh, you just spoke about meetings, why don't, why don't we just stay on meetings in general before we go to the agile space and the agile meetings? Sure. But, but sure. I have been in so many meetings and many <laughs> Many meetings are getting stale and blocked, yes. and you know there's there's tons of books about meetings too, agendas, how to write agendas, and and uh, but nothing like over all these years, nothing seems to stick. It, at least from what I can tell, I feel like uh, mm. even today, uh, one of your books is you're saying like it's you know multiple generations at this point, but even with the latest generation uh, coming into the marketplace and uh, and, and workplace, we still see meetings executed very much the same way. What's wrong with mm. our meetings? I think we're tinkering around the edges. We're, we're using a process that's from this, probably the 18th century or <laughs> we're, following, we're following meeting procedure that, that was formed in parliaments mm-hmm. and governments and uh, I don't think that system's adapted to current day and work, changing workplace requirements. So it's not about the agenda. I think it has a lot to do with the facilitator or the person who's leading or convening the meeting. Um, but I also think it's about the system that you're following for the meeting. So that's one of the pieces of work that uh, I'll be launching in 2018 called mm-hmm. the Outcome Meeting System. And so that's a system to help you run better meetings. Hooray! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but is, so, so what is it with the agenda? I mean, I'm, I'm me included, right? I, I saw at one point I had this rule, I'm not attending meetings without agenda. Or yes, I'm not. I'm yes. not attending meetings that has no definition of what we're trying to achieve. Doesn't yes. ha- doesn't have to be an agenda like bullet points, but it, at least like what is it we're trying to accomplish within the next sixty or whatever minutes. Mm. Um, so what's wrong with this approach? Like uh, like having text agenda. We all come to a meeting table. What, what's what's wrong with this? Um, I I think a good facilitator of a meeting is able to to help. The group set an agenda. I think you could come to a meeting with no agenda, uh, but then the facilitator needs to help create that agenda with the group. So then you can get agreement on what we're here for. It doesn't need to take long. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, some of this is about people trying to get control over a meeting, you know, the agenda, this is what we're doing. But, but great facilitation, great leadership in meetings is about how we're going to do it. And that, to mm. me, is the process or the system that we're going to use to meet. Right. Well, you bring up a good point, right, with going in with an agenda and with maybe high goals. Uh, everybody, mm. everybody might walk away from the meeting very depressed by not yeah. having achieved the goals, right? <laughs> by level setting, like, what is it we're trying to achieve? And then we never get to that in 60 minutes, just like the goal was too big. Yeah, maybe. And and as you're going through the meeting to realise uh, maybe at 20 minutes or 30 minutes time, you will know, are we going to make it or not? Mm-hmm. And therefore, what do we need to adjust and adapt? Mm-hmm. So 
you can't wait until the 55th minute of the hour to say, oh, we've run out of time. Yeah. So I think that's in the system, the, the processes or the tools that you use during the meeting and the facilitator can, uh, can have a lot of say but mm-hmm. use great skills to engage and involve people who are in the room. And mm-hmm. that's, that's such a big requirement now. We have to include people and, you know, invite diversity and gather diverse opinions and, and foster more collaborative environments. And, mm-hmm. and I think leaders in all teams and projects have to do this better. Mm-hmm. So more collaboration in those meetings, right? More engagement mm. uh, between these team members. How do you give us a picture right now? How does your ideal meeting room look like? Is there still a table in the room? Are you working on <laughs> flip charts? How does this look like? What do you think would be in a great meeting setup? I think it will depend on the group and what they need to do. So some some teams remove tables, but but sometimes tables are important because of the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that perhaps knows each other quite well, then I'm then no tables could be good. So I'm always asking for what purpose? For what purpose am I having this room set up or this style of agenda or this type of activity? Mm-hmm. Uh, the facilitator's trying to make things easier and, and visuals are a part of that. So, yeah, somewhere that you can capture notes or visuals, whether it's a flip chart, whiteboard, post-its on the window mm-hmm. or an A4 notepad or a tablet. Um, and I like it when people can see each other in a room. So mm-hmm. if we're set up like a lecture theatre, then that's difficult. We can't see each other and can't collaborate. Mm-hmm. So line, line of sight is good, visual tools are good, and then work out what's the purpose, why am I getting these people together, mm-hmm. uh, what would be the best uh, room set up for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Knowing that sometimes, you know, we can't change the furniture in a room, but, but maybe we can change the venue. Maybe we can go for a walk, mm-hmm. have a stand-up, meet in a coffee shop. I mm-hmm. love using, um, you know, community theatres, basketball halls, uh, church halls. I love using lots of different uh, venues that we might not normally use for a meeting or team workshop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're bringing up already, I think, a few things, uh, which I feel like is already one of the major pitfalls uh, of some of those meetings I was just earlier referring to. One of them is mm. the facilitator is prepared for the meeting, right? We often, yeah. I often see that uh, there is a meeting, it's announced, and it's in uh, 12th floor, third room, like whatever, 12.1.7a. <laughs> and, it's, yeah. it's, and it's always the same room, right? So the team oh. constantly walks into the same room. I mean, what do you expect from these meetings to come out? I know everything about the, the, the furniture setup and everything. So you're, yeah. spice, you're spicing things up by exploring Absolutely. other venues. Yeah, what is um, Charles Stuhick talks about in that the habit, mm-hmm. um, how we're such creatures of habit. So then how do we either disrupt that habit or interrupt the pattern? And absolutely having meetings in the same room at the same time instills people into a, into a behaviour. They're going to come along in the same mode that they were last time, mm-hmm. expecting the same thing will happen. So I love to interrupt that pattern and change things so that people ex- will now expect, oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. We don't normally meet here. I wonder what's happening today. Right. Oh, there's, <laughs> mu- there's music playing. Oh, what's this about? Mm. Oh, wow, look at that. You know, so instantly we've got people thinking uh, differently and starting to access other parts of their wonderful minds that mm-hmm. will make this a much better meeting. 
takes time to prepare, right? But the other thing, the other thing you're mentioning is seeing each other, right? So you're actually talking about in a situation of people being in the same room. How about an organization that is totally distributed? Um, or, or look, seeing each other it? over remotely as well. So being able to see each other's faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily mean the same room. It could be remote as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often hear people say, look, those visuals that you're telling us about, you know, to use in meetings, that's great if everyone's in the same room, but I can't use them remotely. And I say, yes, you can. You either take the visual to the camera or the camera to the visual. Mm-hmm. And and if you can't get that visual to people live, then take a photo of it and share it immediately after the meeting and it will still have incredible impact. Mm-hmm. So... Often I hear these reasons why it can't be done remotely, but it could um, be. It can. It absolutely can. Yeah, well, yeah. technology is definitely there. What kind of tools do you use there? You have like a, a, a digital drawing tool, or do you even in a distributed environment? Are you still on a flip chart and you take pictures? Or yeah, you... both. I've mm. been. I've had to adapt uh, when I've been facilitating all different sizes of workshops and meetings. I've got. Um, I've been using an iPad Mini for a number of years. I love the size of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a drawing tool, or I might use um, the Reflector app on my Mac to, to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that either, you know, there's a tech hitch and it doesn't work or something's not quite right, then I know, well, when we started talking at the start of our um, conversation mm-hmm. today, I've got a flip chart in my office. Mm-hmm. So I know that I could go to that. Um, turn the camera on, go to that with a marker and instantly capture something, put it in front of you. Uh, and if you can't see it, I can take a photo and share it with you um, and I can sh- upload that photo. Uh, I don't necessarily have to be drawing live on the mm-hmm. screen. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a matter of taking personal notes, mm-hmm. uh, using some shapes and images and then just sharing those with people and it will mean a lot to them if they've been in the meeting. hmm if they haven't been in the meeting and then you just send them these these visual notes, they won't have much context. So you might have to do a little bit of a narrative or an audio mm. to tell them what the notes are about. So, yeah, remotely I think it's totally doable. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think it's, it's just very refreshing to see how, you know, you can spice up these meetings um, a little mm. bit. Now, this is, this is Agile FM, and uh, we really haven't talked so much about Agile yet. Um, and why don't we make that curve and take meetings general and just move on to agile events yes um the so for example the huddle the daily scrum the the planning sessions how does your work um influence or could influence those those meetings um a little bit positive because there are at the end there are meetings right and Mm. Um, although they have a specific purpose, um, there is there are certain expectations around them. But what could an agile mm. team actually do uh, to improve these meetings a little bit? Mm. Well, if you think of some of the things we've already talked about, the environment. So if they're having it in exactly the same place and everyone stands in the same position every time, then you're you're asking for trouble. I think. So I'd like to see that environment change a bit. Um, but to also use um, perhaps a different process. So, uh, for example, a retrospective, you might be asking the same questions and using the same smiley faces, what worked, what didn't, you know, what could we do better next time. Mm -hmm. And, again, once we've done that 
generally three times, that's a pattern. The brain picks up those three episodes as a trend or a pattern. And I think it's worth changing it. So maybe ask different questions. Mm -hmm. Or in the visual workshops I run, I help um, agile teams come up with visual maps and models and metaphors and templates. So it's not a list of post-it notes stuck on the wall, but right. maybe it's a visual template of a racetrack or a template of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And now the information goes into this bigger picture and mm -hmm. people get more engaged by it and it's different to last time. So um, like for, for a daily, um, let's just take like an example, right? So for like a daily, people would be gathering um, around a piece of paper. They would be drawing in addition to uh, updating each other. They would have updates. They would visually inform each other. Or would you say with that meeting, um, you would just keep it as is and you would focus on meetings such as retrospectives you just mentioned, et cetera? I think ask again for what purpose. If the if the daily stand-up's going fine, then keep, you know, do what you're doing. But mm -hmm. there are some some agile rituals and some elements that I think could, the people, once they've done them 20 or 30 times, they're like, yeah, I'm a bit bored with that. So I think there's there's scope to try some different things. But it's there's a bit of a scale here because I think you can be creative or you can go a bit too far and become a bit kooky. Um, or a bit corny mm -hmm. and we want to stay cool stay cool and creative so that it creates a nice um, collaborative environment for people mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm not expecting that people in your team are instantly going to be able to pick up a pen and start visualizing their ideas no maybe that's the facilitator or the the leader's role is you talk and I'll visually capture today mm-hmm uh, so one of the best things about using visuals is that they help people hear each other, you know, because we're not listening. Mm -hmm. We're not listening to each other. We're not that interested that we're constantly listening at our peak capacity. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great Australian uh, thought leader, Oscar Trimboli, and he's uh, recently released a little book called Deep Listening. And he's really uncovering some of the elements of listening and hearing and you know, listening to what people aren't saying. So I think there's a lot that we can be doing to help people hear mm. each other better, given yeah. we're not not so good at listening. Um, and mm. to change the environment, use some visuals, change the process or the questions that you're asking, all of these things are great to disrupt people's mm. habits and they will have to think, you know, their engagement will go up and they will have to switch on and think to contribute oh definitely yeah so the um, one thing I do want to bring up though is um, a product um, that is pretty popular um, at least here in the United States to uh, mm. to run or I don't want to say the word manage your agile projects but at least to have a, a content repository and that is Jira right and so Jira is a tool mm. it's very text-based right so we see we see teams just like basically heads down, typing, 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 um, adding information into the tool. How would, mm. and, um, and obviously there's a, there's a lot of text in these things. You know, I personally, even though I'm not good in visualization myself, I do like to look at pictures more than text, right? So mm. I, I always find it more refreshing. I, so if you put two pieces of information in front of me, one is a, is an, uh, is a picture, a drawing, and the other one is a text representing mm. the same thing, I would probably look at the picture. But in Jira, how... 
how do teams actually effectively use this thing? I mean, I guess there are uploading um, capabilities for, for having these images associated, but what do you see could be done to take these teams a little bit away from the keyboard? I think they're, they're, they're working in detail. Actually, if people listening along could draw a ladder, just a, like a ladder that's leaning up against a house, and you only need to put, say, three rungs on the ladder, um, three levels or three rungs. Now, down the bottom of the ladder, if you put the word content, this is what JIRA is. As people are, are adding lots of information. It's a repository of, of text, mm -hmm. lots and lots of information. In the middle, the middle rung of the ladder, so we've got content at the bottom, at the middle rung, if you put the word concept, this is about ideas. So it's less detailed than the, than the information that's being put into JIRA, but it's coming up, what we go coming up, what's called the ladder of abstraction, the ladder of abstraction. Mm -hmm. And then up the top, the top rung is called context, and this is the bigger picture of things. So if JIRA is down in the content, that's down on the ground, down in the details, I think we need to come up a rung and start talking about concepts. And mm -hmm. concepts in this middle level of abstraction are a lot easier to visualise than all the details. Right. So I think this is where we could be using visuals and where it works well is in meetings, conversations, um, on, you know, visual radiators, visual management tools around mm -hmm. uh, our workplaces. This is where more concepts can be communicated. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then coming up to that highest level, context, this is big picture. And an example here of how you might be able to use um, uh, visuals or better tools for understanding what's going on is to come up to this big picture level. And an example is I was working with a bank here in uh, in Australia and a lot of the uh, other departments in the bank were looking at the Agile team, they're saying, what are they doing over there? Doing? <laughs> you know, it's so typical, isn't it? Yeah. Seeing people working, going, I don't know, what are they doing? So what we did was create some pictures, big picture, mm -hmm. and they were big pictures. They were like big poster size maps and illustrations, no post-it notes, no columns, but some more metaphorical visual elements. Mm -hmm that told the story of what this team was doing and how they were working and why they were doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, it is interesting, right, uh, when you walk into, like, let's say, elementary schools, kindergartens, like the visualization mm. is, is, is everything, right? So you see... It is. It is, right? And when you now take these similar concepts of visualization and different way of learning into a corporate world and you do do quite a bit around business agility, Mm. Are you are you getting any kind of you know in this case your example was very positive right it's like intrigued by what is going on over there I want to learn more about what is going on over mm. there but are you also in the corporate world getting some at least pushback uh, from some of the people who's like this is a little bit uh, childish playful uh, I think there's a fear that it's that it appears childish but mm -hmm. uh, that that can also be to do with what you're drawing mm -hmm. so for example drawing people. Uh, you know, we tend to just draw stick figures. Well, I've got some suggestions on how to make those images of stick figures look a little more human, which makes mm -hmm. them grow up. Because um, a lot of our drawing visual ability comes back from when we were, you know, seven or eight and we were drawing chalk pictures on the pavement. And, yeah. Uh, and so many of us have got, I guess, issues from our earlier years when we were last drawing and perhaps someone judged mm -hmm. us or critiqued it. And 
And I think that's kept workplaces uncreative. You know, Sir Ken Robinson talks about it in his TED Talk, the most watched TED Talk of all, of our schools killing creativity. And I think workplaces are definitely continuing to kill creativity. Mm-hmm. So I tend to just um, not, not kind of entertain those fears or thoughts that it looks childish, but to start using the tools because mm-hmm. they can look quite polished. They can look quite artistic but not too arty in mm-hmm. fact i like to say smart not art right. so it looks smart it's a it's a visual element that has value in it, it it's worth looking at mm-hmm. and if it's worth looking at um and i find this with all levels in an organization that mm-hmm. some people fear that that senior leaders or executives well they won't want to look at these visuals are you kidding? They love them. They love them because <laughs> yeah. it reduces, we know it reduces time to digest information. It's easier to retain. Mm-hmm. It's more engaging. You know, the mirror neurons in your brain are just firing off when you see visual elements. Mm-hmm. So uh, in for those reasons um, and and from working, you know, running workshops over so many years, and using visual tools, I tend to just carry on and start using them and people very quickly get switched onto them. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, I'm definitely going to check out your recommendations around how to improve stick figures because that's the level I'm, <laughs> that's the level I'm on uh, personally. So I tend to improve that a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, so let's go to something else you're focusing on and that's agile, trans- mm-hmm. agile transformations, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're going to a different level. Obviously, that we're not on the content level here, as you illustrated, right? So this is right. this is higher up, right? So how does visualization help with that process? If you if you had an example, uh, so there is a transformation plan, or it's, it's it's about to kick off, or it has kicked off. How would visualization help in a transformation process? I think it helps at at all stages. So in um, the my book that's being released at the start of 2018 called Agile-ish, mm-hmm. um, I go through four stages to help companies who aren't very agile become a little bit more. And I, I say ish, that is borrowing some elements, maybe not by the rule book or by mm-hmm. the manifesto. Uh, but the first, so I, I outlined four phases to involve people, to ideate, to implement and iterate. And so I think you can use visualisation at all of these phases to involve people, to ideate, to implement and to iterate. So visualisation at the involvement stage could be capturing information when you're talking with users, mm-hmm. uh, visually representing um, uh, plans that the company has for a particular product or idea and then getting user or stakeholder feedback on that. Mm-hmm. When we move to ideate, absolutely. When people are suggesting ideas, don't talk about them, capture them and represent them visually and have that that um, mm-hmm. collection of visual ideas on display, like make it visible, leave it on the wall, um, leave it on the window, have it somewhere where people are able to see it, share it amongst the team. Mm-hmm. Um, at the implementation phase, there's probably some more traditional visual management tools we're familiar with. Um, but why not explain to people what the roadmap is? You know, mm-hmm. we talk about roadmaps, yet we often put information in columns and boxes. All right. All right. Uh, oh, you know, we speak in metaphors, but we don't tend to visualise them in a metaphor. Mm-hmm. So I'd be showing what's the implementation roadmap 
show me a road. <laughs> you know, yeah. show me a road <laughs> with with road signs. Yeah. And show me a road with road signs and phases and you know price tags and expectations and that all of that information those written words can be in the visual it's not it's not pictionary or charades we're mm. not trying to guess what the pictures mean right and then the fourth phase of iterate is that now we will have some data from what happened in the implementation let's improve it um and so that could be going back to some of our initial visual tools and changing and adapting them or going to back around again to involve new users and colleagues um, to reuse those visual tools again and update mm -hmm. them, improve them. Right. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, as you just said, like if, I mean, I'm just, you know, thinking you would go into a kindergarten and you say, show me a roadmap, you would definitely get a road. You would. You would get a road, right? It, would, it sounds so simple, right? So they would give you a road. And it's like there would be a no-brainer, like let's draw mm. a road. And, uh, but, yeah, so you hear that the roadmap, if we're talking back to that ladder of abstraction where we had content at the bottom, concept in the middle, context at the top, that the roadmap is really somewhere at concept or context. It's not the detail. It's mm -hmm. not the detail of the plan. It's not the release plan or the you know, story points, it's not that stuff is still going to be working mm. for us in the detail, but visuals are great to come up a level to be a little bit less detailed. And mm -hmm. by being less detailed, they become more engaging. They become more engaging. More yes, and this is why, why you mentioned the, the ideation process, right? I think that's super helpful mm. there because because you're leaving the details out, you, you have the opportunity of asking questions from different angles, right? So mm. you regenerate a new conversation maybe about the same topic and get a new perspective on it. Um, Absolutely. And uh, it's less time consuming too. And I think that's where some of the, um, the benefits come in of doing this in the first place. Mm. Mm. And I think that's a, a sign of a great facilitator who's, mm -hmm. who's able to handle what's happening in a group that's trying to come up with ideas. You know, you might have to ask a different question or quieten one person down while you help other people who are very quiet speak up a bit more mm -hmm. um, or protect some people in the room so that they feel comfortable expressing their opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, lots of people withhold their creativity because it's just not safe to speak in that group. Mm -hmm. and, and this is one of the, the modern-day realities of workplaces. Right. If we've got engagement issues... Um, then it's often because people don't feel safe. And mm -hmm. I think it's uh, a great opportunity for leaders to run wonderful meetings and gatherings by mm -hmm. making it making it safe to come up with ideas. You know, here's my idea. Could be really crazy. In fact, I was running a, a workshop recently with a, a local council. They wanted to come up with new ideas. And one of the questions I asked throughout the workshop was, what's, a, what's just a totally crazy idea? What's so out there that people might think you're crazy? And what that activity did was allow people to be crazy for a moment. And that's where some of the best ideas came. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it's... Something as simple as saying, now I'm allowing you to be crazy. Come up with anything you like. And, and out it came. Out came some actually quite... Mm -hmm. um, conservative ideas, but we were able to then work on them a bit more and they became uh, quite practical things that the council will be implementing. Mm -hmm. Because there was space for it, right? There was people yeah. had space and, 
and um, had the opportunity to go a little wild um, mm. with their ideas. And maybe some things didn't make it, you know, and some sure. popped off and for a later point in time, but at least it's good to get them out. Um, towards the end of our podcast here, uh, you mentioned mm. already the Agile-ish is in the making. Mm. Uh, did you mention when it's, when it's going to be published? Um, yeah, the start of 2018. Start so, of 2018. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Um, what if somebody uh, out there listens to this and says, I really want to give this a shot and um, um, do some visualization and facilitation um, around this, but I cannot bring somebody like you in to, uh, to do the facilitation and maybe somebody is like me, graphically challenged, what to, where, where to start? Um, what kind of initial step would you give somebody and say, like, start with that, do this? Um, yeah, look, have a have an explore through my um, website. Mm -hmm. There's an, an e-book or a mini book I've got there called Visual Mojo. Mm -hmm. And there's another one called Making Sense, which mm -hmm. is less drawing and more what you call map making, which is using shapes. So it's using wavy lines or circles or squares or a fish mm -hmm. um, diagram, skeleton diagrams, mm -hmm. um, you know, bullseyes and targets. So using very simple shapes which three of the most simple are what architects, engineers, designers the world over refer to, and that is circles, squares, and triangles. Mm -hmm. Like and you can draw one of each of those right now. And go, and go creative for those, yeah, in a, <laughs> yeah. a series of combinations, so many, yeah. Yeah, and there's so many things that circles represent. I remember mm -hmm. being in a UX uh, workshop once as a participant, and one of the creative activities was to draw a lot of circles and then we had 60 seconds to try and make those circles something. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, a pizza, a basketball, a cherry, a clock, a compass, um, an ice cream, you know, the lid, a coffee cup, all of these things that are quite circular in nature. Mm -hmm. um, nice. The visual, mo so, the visual Mojo book is also the book with the uh, exercises, right? It's very practical. Yes. yes yeah, where you yeah. have some space in it. Yeah. And, yeah. That's right. So there's 60 icons in the book to practice, mm -hmm. but I also take you through. It's like a workshop in a book. It's a replication of a face-to-face mm -hmm. -face workshop, and there's space to actually write in the book. Mm -hmm. So when people say, oh, Lynn, have you got that available as an e-book? I'm like, no, that's not how you build Visual Mojo. You're mm -hmm. going to have to get a pen in your hand and do it. And once you've once you've developed that, then go to tablets and digital form. It's way easier Wait, yeah, okay. than trying to draw directly onto a tablet. Get some analog visual mojo first, and mm -hmm. then it's much easier to transfer to uh, a tablet. Wow. That's an awesome takeaway uh, towards our end of our recording here. I do want to say thank you. It's hard to talk about visualization on, a, on an audio <laughs> podcast, right? But it's it just makes so much sense, and I really hope that um, a lot of people listening to this podcast maybe try something new out, engage, mm. possibly even if they're changing one format of a, of a meeting, it was a good idea for us to record this um, podcast and, um, and, and share some ideas. Um, yeah. do want to make sure that people can get in touch with you, uh, and that mm -hmm. is Lynn with an E, so Lynn uh, with an E at the end, casali.com.au, and your Twitter handle is just your name. Lynn mm -hmm. Sally without any spaces or underscores. Um, That's right. the, the information, the links to the book, etc., is all going to be on agile.fm, going to be on that podcast uh, episode on the, on the show page there, and people can just click through and get in touch with you. Yeah, and if they just say, look, hey, I just heard you on the Agile FM podcast, if just shoot me a message and I will send you 
some um, visual icons to practice straight away. I'll send you a, I've got a PDF of 30 icons, so feel free to do that. That's my gift to you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. We'll definitely uh, right. we'll promote this as well on the, on the show page. Yes. Thank you so yes, much. Do. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.